Those are awesome flip-flops that he's wearing. Welcome to 7th Street Christian Church. Good to see everybody. Glad you're here. Um, it is obviously summer vacation starting. Goodness. Um, but that's all right. Um, it is all right. I know that there's lots of, yeah, a lot of people on vacation and stuff. So, um, But glad that y'all are here. Welcome to the cool sanctuary of 7th Street. Try to protect you from the elements. But... Um, uh, we made it. We've almost made it through this entire weekend. Yesterday consisted of the yard sale, which I heard raised like $12,500. So that's amazing. <laughs> A lot of hard work. Thank you, Whitney and Andrew and everyone else that helped. Um, and the bake sale actually raised some good money, too. Um, there are some baked goods that are uh, still available, and now it's just donation-based, and so it's out at the Welcome Center, so feel free to um, take some cookies home or cupcakes and drop uh, whatever you think the value of that is in the, uh, in the basket out there. So, um, And then we also had an organ concert, and we had a one-voice concert, and so whew, it's been a busy weekend. So, And today is Father's Day, so happy Father's Day to all the um, dads out there, wannabe dads, animal dads, just, yeah, granddads, future dads, yeah, hi. Um, so there's also a reception after um, in the parlor, and so we, so we invite y'all to stay after and enjoy some goodies um, in the parlor. So some other announcements. Um, in your bulletin, you'll see a directory update. You might be thinking, Holly, I filled that out like six months ago. Um, I know you were thinking that. And you would be, you would be right. Um, it also, those directory updates, one, with the change of staff, I don't even know what happened to those. But two, there is just some important information that was left off. Like what we've also discovered is um, our birthday list might not be up to date. And if it weren't for Olivet Cox that hand wrote everyone's birthday, <laughs> I wouldn't have any birthdays. But um, so this is an opportunity for you to fill this out. The other important thing that's different is in an elders meeting um, a couple months ago, we realize that family systems have changed. And so maybe, um, you know, children, important contacts live further away um, and maybe not in a traditional family unit. And that sometimes because of that, maybe it's your church family that sees you every day and that might be the first point of contact if anything serious were to happen or there's a pastoral emergency. And so that's come up a couple times where I'm like, I don't know who to contact. I don't have anyone's information. And so being able to have that information internally, um, as the elders decided, would be really helpful. Um, and so feel free to fill that out. That would not be printed in the directory. That would just be internal that I would have access to um, if, if we needed it. So feel free to fill that out. Um, also, most recently in the strategic planning session, we talked about having um, a list of talents and availability. So if you have a truck or your talent is a musical instrument or lifting things or um, 
being an attorney or a graphic designer, things like that, we would also be able to have a list of those uh, gifts and talents um, available. So you can fill this out and you can drop it in the offering plate and uh, we will continue to have that printed. So thank you. Uh, a few other announcements. Um, on a whim, not really a whim, I've been thinking about this recently. All the bread today um, for communion is gluten-free, vegan, um, dairy-free, egg-free, not Jesus-free though. Um, and <laughs> what I've realized recently is that people who have been visiting um, and people who are a part of this community might have some sort of dietary restriction. Um, so we've got people already who've been regularly visiting that are gluten-free, that are and that can't have eggs, things like that. So in an effort um, to be more hospitable, um, today I've made, just to try it out, all, all this, this special bread, allergen-free bread. So I just want you to know that. I'll make that announcement again. But it is safe, it, and it's actually really good. It's really good. So, um, so just to convey that information. Um, also, do you want to say something about the Nationals game? Sure. Did I put you on the spot? Yeah, that's fine. Can we stand up? Yeah, that's fine. Hey, y'all. Uh, so if people are interested, on September 22nd, it's a Saturday, is Faith Night at the Nationals game up in Washington, D.C. And if anybody's interested, we're uh, thinking about seeing, uh, about getting some group tickets for that. I'm thinking it's probably gonna be somewhere around 30 bucks a ticket. If that's something you're interested in, you can just get in touch with me just so we can start getting an idea of our numbers. Um, and, and we'll go from there. So that's September 22nd. And I think we're also gonna try to do a faith night at the Squirrels coming up in August. So if going up to DC isn't maybe in, in your interest, but you like baseball enough, or you like the people at church enough, you wanna come <laughs> hang out with us, uh, that'll be another option. There'll be more information to come. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you. Um, also just want to make a reminder announcement that there are prayer cards um, in the pews and those are there um, just to write someone a note. Maybe you haven't seen them in a while um, here at church or you're thinking about them or um, what have you for whatever reason. Just want to send them a, a Father's Day message, whatever. Um, you can fill that out and then just put their name um, on the side where we would obviously mail it and you can also drop that in the offering plate and we will take care of the rest. So just want you to know that's one way that we can all stay in touch with our church family and let them know that we are praying for them and that they are in our thoughts and prayers. Um, so, and on that, I'm going to turn it over to Jamie. So last week I told you that for wandering through worship today there was a little surprise coming. Um, I'd like to introduce you to my friend, Flat Jesus. Um, there's a popular children's book called Flat Stanley that some of you might be familiar with. Um, and it's a story that encourages children's literacy and learning about geography. You know about Flat Stanley? That's awesome. Um, and then there's been this offshoot, another project ca called Flat Jesus that churches take advantage of. And so when folks aren't here during the summer, God goes with you wherever you go. Um, so today during Wandering Through Worship, we're going to be creating our own Flat Stanleys. And there's a, sh Jesus, <laughs> thank you. 
Um, and then there's a short poem on the back that I would encourage folks to read as they travel throughout the summer. And this is how it goes. At the beach or at the pool, feeling hot or feeling cool, Christ goes with you when you're off from school. When you play games outside or take a family bike ride, Christ goes with you and is at your side. Snap a photo and send it in. Follow Jesus and see where he's been. Christ goes with you, have no doubt. Show the world what God's love is all about. So the object of Flat Jesus is that when your family travels, when you go to the pool during the week, take Flat Jesus with you, take a photo, send it to me, and we're going to continue to follow Jesus where Jesus travels this summer with all of you. There is a hashtag. The hashtag is also on the back of Flat Jesus. So all of it is included, as is all of our social media. Um, so we're going to track where Jesus goes throughout the summer. This is not just a children's project. It's an everyone project. Yes, absolutely. I have plenty of Flat Jesus cutouts to share with everyone. Um, so see me after worship. I'd love to share a Flat Jesus with you. <laughs> flat Jesus will be going to Avon, New York with me tomorrow. And to Georgia with Jamie, so. <laughs> um, and where? To Panera this afternoon. To Panera this afternoon. <laughs> That's awesome. Plus Jesus can have some cookies. Sounds good. Um, we probably had more than enough announcements, so with that, let us prepare our, oh, what? Oh, yes, thank you. Um, there is Faith, Family, and Friends coming up June 29th, um, so the last Friday um, it is all things green, so we're going to be growing herbs. Um, thanks to Jess and Jamie for taking that on. Um, the other, you'll hear more, you'll get more information about it, but just so you can mark your calendar. What time do we, is it usually like 6, 5.36? Um, but in the evening, in the past, it's been a potluck. Um, this time, to make life easier, we're going to like probably just order some pizzas, and then if you're able to contribute a dollar or two, um, just whatever makes your life easier on a, on a Friday evening. But we're going to um, make, plant herbs and learn about uh, the green team and sustainability and just have fun and community together. Okay. With that, let us prepare our hearts to worship God.
please stand as you are able for the call to worship. O oh God, we gather together in your presence with expectation, hungry for an encounter with you, eager to hear your word. Open our eyes and ears to the presence of your Holy Spirit. May the seeds of your word scattered among us this morning fall on fertile soil. May they take root in our hearts and lives and produce an abundant harvest of good words and deeds. Let us sing our opening hymn, Come Ye Thankful People Come, found on page 718, number 718. We remember with gratitude those people who generously sowed the seeds and faith in our lives. Above all, we recognize how you have blessed our lives with the gift of the Holy Spirit so that our faith has miraculously and mysteriously grown. We confess the times we fail to involve ourselves in planting any seeds of faith in the lives of others, the times when our personal agendas become more important than yours, the times when we have denied others the opportunity to expand their faith through our lack of interest or involvement, the times when our lives become so entangled with the values of the world that we forget what you have said and done and promised. Lord Jesus Christ, 
We know that when we become disconnected from you, our lives become parched and unfruitful, and our faith becomes stunted and dry. Bless and renew our lives, we pray, so that we may remain connected to you at all times and in all places, strengthening our hearts as we expand and grow strongly and vigorously to bear the fruit of your mercy, your love, your undying love. Our God is extravagantly generous. We are forgiven. Let us pass the peace to one another. You may be seated, and I'm going to invite Mr. Terry Ragsdale to come forward. <laughs> You're wondering what? Did you not look at your bulletin? What did you do? What did you do now? <laughs> Mark Anderson, come on, Reverend Mark Anderson. So, 
we know that a lot of, there's a lot of special angels in this church that have worked really hard over the years and decades okay. that have served in committees that have um, made this church what it is and prolonged in its ministry. And you are one of those. And the elders got together and thought that you should be recognized, and I have to concur, and bestowed Elder Emeritus. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> that means Elder do nothing, doesn't it? <laughs> that means you get oh, to officially retire. Well, thank you. Mm -hmm. Very nice. Mary Rose? I have, a, have an accomplishment here. Oh, really? Yes. He's going to send this on you. I'm not going to do it because I suspect you might take action. <laughs> it might work. The last time okay. we got Jim, he had 61 years. <laughs> on behalf of the congregation, Southern Street Christian Church, on behalf of the Christian Church Disciples of Christ, it is a pleasure for me and the congregation to bestow this honor upon you. And you let us know through email that your health is not going to allow you to continue on a regular basis. We decided we better do something to say thank you. And also to let you know that this does entitle you, if you wish, to sit out and do nothing. <laughs> but I took a vote. And we all decided, and the elders, no, no, that's not going to happen. <laughs> We're going to keep you busy, and we thank you, and Mary Rose especially, for keeping you busy and keeping you involved in this congregation and making it such a wonderful place. We love you, and we're very happy for you. Congratulations, sir. Thank you. I hope I was going down. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. I'm going to read Psalm 65. Praise awaits you, O God, in Zion, who your vows will be fulfilled. O you who hear prayer, to you all men will come. When we were overwhelmed by sins, you forgave our transgressions. Blessed are those you chose, choose and bring near to live in your courts. We are filled with the good things of your house, of your holy temple. You answer us with awesome deeds of righteousness. O God, our Savior, the hope of all the ends of the earth and of the farthest seas, who formed the mountains by your power, having armed yourself with strength, who still the roaring of the seas, the roaring of their waves, and the turmoil of the nations. Those living far away fear your wonders. Where morning dawns and evening fades, you call forth songs of joy. You care for the land and water it. You enrich it abundantly. The streams of God are filled with water to provide the people with grain, for so you have ordained it. You drench its furrows and level its ridges. You soften it with showers and bless its crops. You crown the year with your bounty, and your carts overflow with abundance. The grasslands of the desert overflow. The hills are clothed with gladness. The meadows are covered with flocks, and the valleys are mantled with grain. They shout for joy and sing. The 
word of the Lord. text is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4, verses 1 through 20, and I invite you to follow along. Again, again, he began to teach beside the sea. Such a very large crowd gathered around him that he got into a boat on the sea and sat there while the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. He began to teach them many things in parables, and in his teaching he said to them, Listen, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell on the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and it sprang up quickly since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. Other seed fell into good soil and brought forth grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirty and sixty and a hundredfold. And he said, let anyone with ears to hear listen. When he was alone, those who were around him along with the twelve, asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything comes in parables, in order that they may indeed look but not perceive, and may indeed listen but not understand, so that they may not turn again and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? Then how will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. These are the ones on the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. When they hear the word, they immediately receive it with joy. But they have no root and endure only for a while. Then, when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are those sown among the thorns. These are the ones who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the lure of wealth and desire for other things come in and choke the word, and it yields nothing. And these are the ones sown on good, on the good soil, they hear the word and accept it and bear fruit, thirty and sixty and a hundredfold. The word of the Lord. So I'll add that this summer, over the next month and a half, I'll be preaching on parables, just parables. So um, won't follow really the lectionary calendar, um, but... So this week is this parable, and I've pulled some parables that I've never preached on before. <laughs> like, I've never heard a sermon on this one. This one, of course, we have. In a couple weeks, we'll do the prodigal son, which will be a dramatic interpretation that will include our own Darren Longie. So we're excited about that. So, But today, the parable of the sower. 
Back in 2005, a miracle happened in a lab in Israel, and a tiny pot full of dirt, a seed sprouted. This was just not any seed. This was the seed of a particular variety of the date palm tree, which had been extinct for centuries. This particular seed was uncovered by archaeologists in the 1960s who were digging near the Dead Sea, a site where Jewish troops held out against Roman legions nearly 2,000 years ago. The seed was discarded then, perhaps as waste from someone's lunch, and it lay there, buried under the dust of the ages, until it was dug up in the 60s and sent to a lab in Jerusalem where it sat until 2005. When on a hunch, someone decided to plant the seed just to see what would happen. And a few weeks later, a tiny green shoot pushed up through the soil and now the long extinct date palm plant stands over 10 feet high. And there's more, wait for it. It's a dad. <laughs> they actually cross-pollinated it with another date palm tree thing and it's a dad and it's bare fruit. I just thought that was really cool because it's Father's Day. It's by far the oldest seed ever sprouted, be beating a Chinese lotus seed by 800 years. No one expected that this seed held life within it. The assumption of everyone involved was that the seed was dead, long dead. It would never be useful for its intended purpose. There was no hope. And yet, there is a 10-foot, 13-year-old date palm reproducing the next generation. The Gospel reading for today, Jesus tells a parable about seeds. A man went out to sow some seeds and he said to the crowd that was assembled on the beach that some seeds that the man sowed fell on the path, and some on rocky ground, and some among thorns, and some among good soil. Three quarters of the seeds failed, eaten by birds, died from the heat or choked off by the plants. But the seed that fell on the good soil grew and produced grain, and the sower was able to reap the harvest. There's a story about a preacher who gave a long and eloquent sermon on this parable, saying what the four kinds of soil represented and who the sower was and explaining the meaning of the parable. And after the service, the preacher was approached by an old farmer. That was a good sermon, the farmer said. 
but there's something I've never been able to understand. Who in their right mind would go around sowing seeds on the path? And what kind of farmer would plant in rocky soil? And who has ever heard about planting a garden in a thorn thicket? He went on saying, that Jesus might have been the Messiah, but he sure wasn't a farmer. The farmer noticed something that probably all of us noticed. This was not a very discriminate sower of seeds. Who of us is that careless with our own garden? Which of us deciding to plant a garden in the backyard simply opens the back door and just throws handfuls of tomato seeds and, and bean seeds? Like, who, no one does that. Not if we expect anything to come of it. The sower of this parable doesn't seem to really know what they're doing. Back when I lived in North Carolina, I had my own garden. I planted tomatoes and peppers and cucumbers and all the things that one plants in their garden. I even started a compost pile so I could take the scraps from my kitchen and the yard waste and compost it. One fall, after carving some pumpkins, I tossed all that gooey stuff that comes from the middle of pumpkins out with the compost pile. And the next spring, assuming that the compost pile had done what the compost pile is supposed to do, I take the compost and I spread it all over my garden. And something curious happened a few weeks later. All over my garden, wherever I had spread this new compost, Tiny plants, which I had not planted, started to spring up, and they were everywhere. And as the plants got bigger and bigger, and the first enormous orange blossom formed at the end of the vine, I realized what had happened. Instead of breaking down into compost, the seed from the past falls, pumpkins had survived the winter, and I had spread them all over my garden. I had thrown those seeds away, tossed them aside as the byproduct of some other project that I was done with. As far as I was concerned, their lives as seeds were over, and they would simply break down and be food for my garden. I hadn't made any effort to make their lives easier, unlike my other seeds, which I carefully planted in little seedling cups and kept them inside where it was warm and gave them special light before I transplanted them outside. Not the pumpkins. They had been dumped out into the cold, exposed to the frost, and forgotten about. And they sprouted anyway. I learned from those pumpkin seeds that hope and life and new birth can be found in the most unexpected places. Even in the most difficult of circumstances, you never know when hope might find a way to break through. 
The Salvadorian priest Oscar Romero knew something about hope in a hopeless world. He was archbishop in a place torn by civil war, racked by crime and conflict, and made miserable by the daily hardships brought on by violence. He had every reason to look at the destruction around him and the atrocities being committed every day and say, this place will never be whole again. There will never be peace here. These people are doomed. God has left this place. But Romero didn't say that. He didn't believe that God had abandoned the people. He didn't believe in a God who recoils in the face of injustice. He didn't say that God had forsaken the people of El Salvador. Instead, he said this. This is what we are about. We plant seeds that one day will grow. We water seeds already planted, knowing that they hold future promise. We lay foundations that will need further development. We provide yeast that produces effects beyond our capabilities. We cannot do everything, and there is a sense of liberation in realizing that. This enables us to do something and to do it very well. It may be incomplete, but it is a beginning. A step along the way, an opportunity for God's grace to enter and do the rest. And we may never see the end result, he said. But that is the difference between the master builder and the worker. We are workers, not master builders. Ministers, not messiahs. We are prophets of a future, not our own. Archbishop Romero knew the meaning of that parable that Jesus told about the sower and the four kinds of soil, that we are not called to judge the soil. We are not called to decide where the love of God should be shown, where it might best take root, where it's most deserved. We are called to be workers in the vineyard, not actuaries in the kingdom of God, calculating where our work might be best received. We are called only to two things, to plant and to hope. We are prophets of a future not our own, Romero said. Ours is not to judge. We just plant and trust that God will do the rest. There's a tendency to see ourselves as the good soil in this parable. After all, here we are, sitting in church, taking the time from our week to study and worship and be in community with other believers. Those other people, the ones that aren't here this morning, 
or those who reject the church or are too lazy to come or who just don't care, those other people must be the rocky soil or the thorn thicket or the path where birds eat the seeds. But we here in this place, we must be that good soil that Jesus is talking about. I don't know who we're fooling because I'm not really so sure about that. I mean, I'm here at church this morning like I am most Sundays, but I don't always feel like I'm the good soil. I don't always feel like any old seed God decides to sow in me grows into a strong, healthy plant. Maybe you feel the same way. Maybe you feel like the rocky soil where the roots can find no depth and the heat of the day withers away whatever God has planted. Or you feel like the path where God sows something only to have it snatched away by the birds of jealousy or fear or pride or selfishness. Or maybe you feel like the thicket of thorns where God sows seeds that sprout and grow only to be choked off by the realities of the world. Very rarely do I feel like the good fertile soil, just waiting for God to send something my way. On our best days, we feel like that receptive, healthy soil in the parable, but on our worst days, we're the rocky, thorn-ridden soil where the pressures and tragedies and details of everyday life come and steal away the good things from God before they even ever have a chance to give root. I don't think Jesus was describing different kinds of people in this parable. I think Jesus was describing the different attitudes that one person can have toward God. And we can respond to God in different ways depending on what life has thrown in our way. And we should all aspire to be receptive to God, the parable says. We should all aspire to that every day, but some days we won't be able to. Remember the question that that farmer asked the preacher? What kind of farmer just walks around throwing seeds wherever they might land? What kind of sower of seeds, sower sows seeds in the thorns on a path or in rocky soil and in good soil, all in one patch? If the parable is a story about God, then you could ask the same question. What kind of God is this? And there are two possible answers. Either we have an extraordinarily careless God, a God who doesn't particularly care about us or our circumstances or our struggles, or who at least doesn't notice. Or we have an extraordinarily gracious God. A God who is an extravagant giver and who radiates love no matter what the circumstances. I think we have a God who loves us to the point of wastefulness. Sowing seeds of hope and grace even if there is little chance that they will survive. 
This is a wasteful love. A love which does not keep account of rates of failure and success. A love which is not concerned with return on investment. God loves us extravagantly. God showers us with love whether we deserve it or not, whether we like it or not, whether we accept it or not. And more often than not, we don't accept it. More often than not, the seeds of God has so generously thrown into our lives will wither and die or are stolen away or choked off by one thing or another. But sometimes, sometimes those seeds take root. And those are the moments that God waits for. A thousand wasted seeds don't diminish the joy God has at one that sprouts. God doesn't remember the thousand. God rejoices over the one. We are the rocky soil. We are the path where birds can come and steal. We are the thorn thicket. And we are the good soil. But God is the sower. And God will not withhold grace and love from us just because we seem like an unlikely place for seeds to sprout. The love of our God is immense, extravagant beyond our understanding, even wasteful in its bounty. Let us strive to be the good soil whenever we can be, and when we can't, to know that God is God anyway and will continue to sow seeds of grace in our lives. We are children of a loving God. And thanks be to God for that. Amen. If you feel called to unite with this congregation of 7th Street Christian Church, being a part of its ministry and sowing seeds here in the community of Richmond, we invite you to come forward during the singing of our hymn of commitment. Let us stand and sing verses 1, 2, 3, and 6 of hymn number 609.
You may be seated. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Dearest God, sometimes you must chuckle and shake your head at your children, floundering around, constantly frustrated, always wanting our way, and your gifts never enough. We go, 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 busying ourselves with important activities and working hard and gaining more. Then in a brief moment of scarcity, we complain you're not present. So what have we done to listen? What have we done to look for proof of you in our lives? We forget God, and we are sorry. With all our business, with all of our social pressure of acquiring more, of keeping up the image of the good life and always wanting and needing to feel good and happy, we forget to look around us and count up all the places of love all the places of comfort. We forget to thank you for each breath that we have. We forget to live in the moment. And in our forgetfulness, we neglect those in need. We act in fear, putting ourselves before others. We forget to remember those who need our presence, our cards, our time, our attention. We are so busy complaining about how we are down and out that we forget to help those who are truly without. How grateful we are for your forgiveness. So we take a few moments to slow our lives down. To breathe in and out. to give up our business, to put aside our busyness and the pressures, and we focus on those in need. For this church, for those in this community, For those in this world that go without and truly have nothing, we pray for families who are torn apart because of border crossings or divorce or death. And we celebrate the joys that we have. 
for the community of this church, for the joy of being able to come to this place accepted just as we are, for the joy of family, and for the presence of fathers, and for life, for the constant blessings of friends and family, and for you, God, who is always there, showering us with your love and abundance. May we always be thankful. May we stop and appreciate all of your blessings. Amen. Jesus' teachings give us many seeds to sow in this community and beyond. It is, however, through our offering that we can nurture these seeds so all may know the gospel's promise. Let us give through our tithes and offerings.
let us pray. You have been exceedingly generous to us, O God. We return a portion of what we have to you in grateful thanksgiving. Bless our offerings that they will be that they will nurture the seeds of hope and healing in this community and beyond. Amen. You may be seated. The other day I was listening to a story about Janine Shepherd, an Australian cross-country skier back in the 80s until she was hit by a truck and suffered life-threatening injuries. At 24, this Olympic prospect was confronted not just with death, but with choosing life. Her body, which up to that point was what she referred to as a machine, being known as Janine the Machine, it was her identity. And now, paralyzed with no feeling from the waist down, the life she knew was over. And she had to imagine a new life. Reflecting on that time, she says, life is about loosening our grip. Our grip on our expectations, on what we think defines us, and on what is comfortable. The pain of holding on to who I was was too great. And I had to learn to trust life. In listening to Shepherd's story, I kept thinking about this communion table, a place where the disciples gathered, unknowing that the life of Jesus and their own lives were about to change drastically. A place where we come no matter where we are on life's journey, where we engage a broken body and somehow become whole just because we are invited to the table. This is a place where we come as we are, perhaps holding on to clear and dear expectations, but also a place where we are reminded of God's profound love and where we can learn to trust life. Let us prepare our hearts for communion.
As we gather around this table, we remember the story that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, this bread is like my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, after supper, Jesus took the wine and poured it out. And he said, the wine in this cup is like the blood in my veins, poured out to give you new life. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us pray. Loving God, we give you thanks for this time together, for this opportunity to come once again to this table of remembrance. Do you remember what happened that night in the upper room and in the time to follow? Do you remember Christ giving his life for our sake? Do you remember that he broke the bread, likening it unto his own body? And as we partake of it, let us remember that his body was broken for our sake, that we might live, that we might learn, that we might love. Blessings to you, O God, and thanksgiving for your Son, Jesus the Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Divine One, we come again to that part of our worship to think about becoming more Christ-like in our daily living. We know we fall short of our goals. As we are loved, we should love others. As we are forgiven, we should forgive others. As we have been giving bless, given blessings in our material possessions, we should share with others, but so often we fail in this. As we consider the events we remember at this table, we realize that we may never be called on to sacrifice our lives as Jesus did, but we can do those small things that help those in need, in need of the material things of life, in need of a warm and loving friend, in need of finding a relationship with you. Bless us as we share the cup of salvation, a symbol of sharing in your sacrifice, that we may go into the world and live generously, seeing, those, seeing you in those around us and helping them to see you in our actions. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
steadfast love. We thank you for the lessons of the past. We remember all that you have done for us. Make us truly thankful. We remember times of joy and times of sorrow. May these experiences make us compassionate toward others. We share the memory of your people as they have through time, and it is our story as well. May the richness of our past be the ground out of which love, hope, faithfulness, justice, and peace blossom. We ask this in the name of the Prince of Peace, Jesus, our friend who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our we forgive our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Let us stand and sing our closing hymn, Let All Things Now Living. Don't forget, everyone is invited to step in the parlor for some snacks and punch in honor of um, all of our dads. Um, please receive this benediction. May God's love be with you as you sow seeds of justice and peace along the paths you, you will travel so all may know the gospel's promise. Go now in peace to love and serve your Lord. Amen. <laughs>